I'm Eric Nost, a PhD student in the Department of Geography at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and an editor for EdgeFX, a digital magazine produced by the Center for Culture, History, and Environment. In this interview, I speak with Scott Kirsch, a geographer from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, about the, what we mean when we talk about technology and the ways that language ties in with historical and environmental change. So you're starting a project that revisits Raymond Williams' keywords. So he was interested in unpacking the changing and contested cultural meanings of words like society and nature. So his goal really resonates with what we want to do with our ES for Environment Symposium, where we're asking, what do we mean when we talk about the environment? So I so hoping you could tell me a little bit about your project, what does it look like, and, and how you got interested in it. Sure, thanks. Um, I'm interested in why we think of the world as technological, mm -hmm. which is something that is, is such a, a, a taken-for-granted idea, right, that, that to, of course the world is technological. Um, but wh what does this word actually mean? What kind of work does it do that we group so many social processes now under the, and things and objects, um, so that um, a machine is a piece of technology, a set of methods is technology. In fact, the totality of all of our means and capabilities are also technology. It's also what makes us technological. So it, it's become, uh, I would say, profane to, to challenge this idea. But what, what does this word mean? What, it, what does it do? So, so turning to Raymond Williams, who I've just always had a kind of fascination with this project, Gives, gives us a historical method for looking at, at the way contested meanings and transformations of meanings are built into the history of a word. Mm -hmm. You asked me how I, I started the project, um, and actually I have to give credit to one of our geography students at UNC Chapel Hill, Mabel Gergen, who was talking to me about her project, which uh, is a great dissertation on building big hydropower dams in, uh, in northern India, mm. Sikkim. She was interested in it as a case of technocracy and uh, politics of technology, and talking with her about the project and um, she, she was, how she was using technology uh, to describe these dams, to describe the methods for building the dam, to describe um, part of the focus of her project was looking at youth-based political social movements that are oppositional to the dams and the kinds of uh, communications technologies they use. And so as I was trying to put this together in my mind, it was kind of got me wondering, how is it that all these words fit under the umbrella of technology? That, mm -hmm. that, that language seemed to be the only thing some of them had in common. And so that's kind of what got me thinking about what, what work does this category of technology do? Mm -hmm. what, and then looking at the history of, of the word, how it goes from being a kind of a book to meaning the totality of all of our means and capabilities to still being this specific machine or, uh, or way of doing something. Uh, it made me think that maybe even we could go beyond Williams, which is to say that not only is technology a key word, right, which you could say about many widely used words, not only could we see technology as a keyword, but technology, maybe it is a keyword. Maybe, in fact, that's all it is, mm. is mm. Uh, this kind of way we have of grouping different processes under this word that uh, is a kind of magic bullet. Sure. So, uh, and then the answer, though, isn't just, okay, then we can look at the history of that word technology and we're done. 
it's rather about language and materiality, mm -hmm. right? What are other kinds of technological keywords that do this? Um, so to give one example close to our hearts in universities would be innovation, mm. right? What kind of work is that doing uh, across departments currently in universities? But we could think of many others. So to come to the Anthropocene, um, well, that's, that's a key word as well. Um, but th there's other interesting words too. Um, geoengineering is one that comes to mind as a kind of uh, solution that's, that's still in play though, right? What is that gonna mean? Uh, and so we can argue about technology and what it means. Is it necessary to use this incredibly broad term? And uh, of course there's some philosophical heavy hitters that have sure. waded into these waters yeah. before. But maybe it's ultimately more interesting to, to look at words that are still in play, mm -hmm. uh, like geoengineering or drones or mm -hmm. uh, to, and, and the kind of contests over meaning that are still um, at work there and kind of shaping the discourse. I think the keyword approach is ultimately a kind of historical approach to language, but one that's really concerned with trying to tie the language into material and uh, historical change. And you've written extensively about, you know, one of the words that he, he wrote in that book, which is technology. And, uh, but you also raised the issue of, you know, the cultural context of technology, right? And, and I wonder how you've seen that changed or not over the past uh, 40 years now, almost more, since, since keywords. Exactly. Uh, so for Williams, for him the key moment, even though you can trace technology to the, the Greek techne, right, and arts or crafts um, or Latin, for Williams a key moment is in the 19th century with, uh, mid-19th century, with modern notions of science. And with that, that became a kind of domain of, uh, of abstract knowledge and technology starts to be applied knowledge. Mm. Right. Now, before that, though, technology would have meant a kind of a book mm. or a technical manual, mm. right? So it could have been a very specific a technology of um, ceramics or some kind of art, or it could have mm. been uh, some kind of total sense of a, a, a book, you know, a thick tome on, uh, on technical, all of our technical capabilities. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting things about keywords famously talks about culture, nature, as some of the most complex words in the English language, mm -hmm. right? And he's always interested in these difficult words, right, which had domains of meaning across multiple areas of usage. Mm -hmm. Well, technology, I think, was not particularly difficult for him, and he wrote the mm -hmm. key words in 1976 and then revised it in 1983. Mm -hmm. But right, 30, 35 years from, from that point, I think it has become considerably more complex, right? This thinking of the world as technological, um, it goes now well beyond uh, thinking of the industrial arts, which is when the word in the, the early 20th to mid 20th century started to move into common usage to areas of consumption, right? The body, uh, even just uh, last year, there was a couple of movies that came out, uh, Ex Machina and Her the year before, yeah. right, yeah. where technology is even beyond entering the home, it, it sort of enters this realm of desire mm -hmm. and sex. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how has this happened that, that we still seem to think nothing of it?
We put all these under the umbrella of technology. So Williams would regularly distinguish between the technical and the natural, the artificial and the authentic. And I wonder, looking at how ideas of technology cross different domains of how we see the world, what do you see as the relationship between technology and the environment? That's a good question that hopefully we're here at the E is for Environment conference. Some people will give me some answers to it. I spent a year in teaching in an STS program at Penn State, and I remember the director of that program, who was an engineer, telling me or discussing with me that he thought technology and environment essentially meant the same thing. It was just two sides of the same coin, which is a very kind of an engineering view of the world, maybe. And I think at the time I was sort of appalled, but somehow this stuck with me. And if we think about nature not being a kind of original, unreconstructed nature, maybe that is actually a useful way. Maybe there may be a kind of dialectic where technology and nature are always internal to the other. Is that in the keyword history of technology? Not so much. I think it comes later, right? So technology comes into wide usage, really, with the industrial arts. It's sort of turned in a critical way of looking at the rise of manufacturing and replicable means of doing things, right? So there's whole parts of this where Marx, I think, could be credited with turning technology into a critical concept by viewing it relationally, by looking at it as a kind of way of understanding the materiality of class struggle. But to come back to keywords, right, what he's interested in is not to ever fix the definition, but to say that meanings always come from usage, and there's always kind of complex cultural trends that are at work there. And so I think we find that probably after World War II. I don't know the history of the word environment very well, but I think, you know, you would look at things like nuclear testing and all of the things that led up to the 1960s environmental movement as also a kind of movement in the politics of technology. I think that sense that there are two sides of the same coin sort of emerges in practice, in politics. That's really interesting. It gets me to think about the Anthropocene, this debate about when to, you know, when the Anthropocene began, right? And, you know, some have proposed that it began in 1945, right, after the first atomic bombs were detonated. So, you know, there seems to be this, you know, link there with technology, and I wonder what do we do with that relationship? So the conversation around the Anthropocene, you know, is we're reworking hard and fast lines we tend to draw between society and nature, showing how human actions have fundamentally shaped our system processes. And I wonder, you know, your take on the Anthropocene conversation. What do we do with that? Are we actually reinscribing boundaries between society and nature? By, for instance, trying to pinpoint the date where society and nature no longer cease to be separate things? First of all, I think it's a great concept. I don't have a problem with it at all. And I think it's 
simply a useful device yeah. to give it that one day. Um, what, I, what I think is interesting about um, the, the reception of the Anthropocene idea is that for a long time, geographers, environmental historians, others, political ecologists, mm -hmm. have been talking about the inseparability of nature and society, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but somehow now we hear it from uh, a geologist and an ecologist, and everybody's jumping on it. You know, that's 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 totally fine, mm -hmm. right? I think it, as as you say, it is a kind of moment. It's an opportunity to kind of rework some of these major words, and uh, not just the words, but the concepts and the kind of tangled history of uh, of words, concepts, and material changes in mm -hmm. the environment. Mm -hmm. You know, I say let's let's give it a try. Mm -hmm. I think let's. I, I think it ultimately will probably get appropriated in different ways, and that some will be problematic, some will be useful, and sure. and we'll see what happens. Yeah. But for now, it's it's a fertile concept that uh, is facilitating conversation across disciplines. So let's see what happens.